not be the total truth. No, 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 no. See the way society is built today, like a trap. It's built in a way that keeps you in the dark. Trapped. Cause if your light shines through, you might figure out who and what you are. A magnificent being. Don't be scared of that. Do not be scared. That's why I'm here to help you remember. Great morning, great evening, good afternoon, depending where you're at on this beautiful planet, this amazing universe. Welcome to Brown and Spiritual AF, right? Once again, if you haven't been here before, me and Isela, we get together, we have honest, up close and personal types of conversations about spirituality and how it kind of shaped our lives while we didn't know it. And then when we started to become aware of it, right? So today we're going to touch on the topic of toxicity, right? Toxic relationships, toxic habits, toxic behaviors, just anything that's really toxic in our life. And maybe you know about them, maybe you don't know about them, right? So we're really going to elaborate a little bit more on how that shit showed up in our lives today. Does this sound about right, Miss Cicela? Yeah. And I, before we begin kind of really getting into the shit of it all, I think it's important for us to understand that toxicity, the behaviors that we exhibit that are toxic often stem from trauma. So they often stem from our experiences that have served, that have been traumatic to us. And so we tend to repeat those cycles of behavior or we are trying to meet an unmet need that wasn't met when we were a child. Um, and so, so much of it is directly linked to those traumatic experiences. And in some cases, I would say in a lot of cases, still inhibit within our physical form, these this toxicity that um, from the trauma that we experienced. And so we've got to uncover that shit if you really want to be in alignment with the truth of who you are. Ooh, so you're saying some of this shit has been following me since I was, like before I was born maybe, or while I was in the um, womb, like while well, I was in my mom's stomach? Well, with epigenetics, yeah, we know that now. And what we know about historical trauma, so imagine this. This is really kind of cool. Cool and then fucked up at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in my mom's, when my mom was in her mother's belly, right, I was already an egg, sort of the beginnings of me inside of my mom. And so the trauma, and so my, my grandmother was a migrant worker, also dealt with a shit ton of trauma, never had a childhood. I mean, just really bad in poverty, extreme poverty. I mean, really tough situation. So here she is as a 16-year-old pregnant with my mom. And when, again, when my mom was inside my grandmother in utero, I was, the beginnings of me were already in there. And so the, the, the toxicity and the traumas passed down um, through, and we know this because of the study of epigenetics. And so we've got historical trauma. We've got epigenetic trauma. We've got bullshit trauma that we actually lived. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to unpack. Wow, this might have to be broken down into a few different episodes if you really think about it, right? A lot of our episodes can be broken down even further, but for the sake of these purposes, we're just going to see what really shows up because that's how me and Isela do this, guys. If you're just here for the first time, if you just came across this, it's no accident that you did. But me and me, me and Isela, like I said before, and I'll say it again, we're just kind of having a conversation, getting to know each other through talking about our shit today right? <laughs> and today is going to be our toxic shit, our toxic behaviors. So when you hear that word, Missy Sella, what is one of the first things that pops into your brain? 
Oh, so many things, Mark. The first thing I think about it is it takes me back to when I thrived off of the toxicity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the truth. I remember I had this weird awareness as a child. And I think that's what gives me the capacity to do what I do in terms of my understanding of life in two levels. So the first level is the level of physical form. I am in this body. I have this brain. I interpret information through this, my nervous system and my brain. So this is the level that I, that pays the taxes, that is Gia's mother, that all of those things that we do in these experiences that we call life. And then there's the level of awareness where I can see the bigger picture of things. I can see that there's a spiritual reason for everything. I can see the reason why I lived what I lived um, for my soul's growth. Like I can, I can exist in those two levels of awareness. When I was a child or a young adult, I was able to do that, but I wasn't consciously aware of what I was doing. So I'd be yelling, cussing, just fucking in, in that moment, that heated moment, because I didn't have any self-regulation skills. So the moment I was triggered, I would just fly off the handle. And I remember I was frustrated doing my hair. And my husband, who or my boy, he was my boyfriend at the time, I remember he was sitting on my bed. I had a studio apartment. I was like doing my hair and I was already pissed off because he was late or he didn't do what he was supposed to do or whatever. But my hair would come. I took my, my um, hairspray and I just threw it at him. And I was like, what the fuck do you have to? And I just was explosive like that. I was completely and totally explosive. And I remember that I thrived off of that drama. Like I thrived, I was addicted to creating and sabotaging experiences that would trigger me. And, and I could see the insanity of it at the same time. So in the middle while I'm, just, you know, raging, I could see how not only could I see it, I wanted to pull myself back in, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to go, oh, you know, that shit I just did was like really fucked up and I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that I blew up at you. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And so I, I had the experience And I could see the experience at the same time. So that's the first thing I think about. And then I'm thankful that I don't do that anymore. (laughs) That's the second thing that came to my mind. What comes to your mind, Mark? Oh, yeah. Well, what what you just brought to my attention right now is like the toxic behavior of inside processing that you're sorry, but not saying it. Yeah. Right. That's in, 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 in a sense, that's a toxic behavior also, right? Knowing that you're fucking wrong, but not admitting it. People like, oh, whatever, right? So for me, right, a toxic behavior that pops into my brain is proving people wrong, mm. right? Just for the sake of proving them wrong. Even though I know I am not right, but because I have better tactical skills when it comes to wordage, right? Because I'm, uh, I'm a master of, uh, of manipulating situations with my words. I'm kind of gifted in that area, right? Like I-, I could turn a whole situation over onto somebody, right? to just, just to prove them wrong, just because I could prove that I was superior to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you, when we think about that, I think about those toxic behaviors where in a way I used my ability to speak, to put others down, to prove others wrong, right. To make others look bad. 
right? And I did that for a lot of my life. Right? I did it to my friends. I did it to the family members. I would do it. I grew up in a family where you had to learn to protect yourself verbally. And we call it sarcasm, right? And so when people come into my family, when people come in and they see the way we talk with each other and people think we're mean, right? But when you get my mom and my brother and my dad together and my sisters, like we, 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 we throw these darts at each other, right? And, and it's fun, but don't get me wrong. Sometimes it, it, really, it was really a toxic environment because sometimes that shit would really hurt you, right? But instead of saying, hey, this hurt me, we would just get tougher and throw bigger darts, right? So when I, when I think about that kind of stuff, right, I think about how fucked up it is just to prove points to people with words showing them that they were wrong and in all reality they could have been right so it's not using my words not being impeccable with my word one of the four agreements man we talked about in the last episode you know what you just said um that's like the birthplace of gaslighting you know what i'm saying when like you say something to someone and or so like you're in a conversation with somebody and you twist it just a little bit to make them feel like they're losing their shit, like they don't know, they they don't have a clue. And and then they walk away taking responsibility for something that wasn't their responsibility, feeling guilt, feeling the pressure of the relation, like all I when you when you and, and let me back up. So you talked about manipulation. I think a lot of us learn to manipulate as a survival strategy. Like I learned to lie because if I came over, if I came home, my, my mom and dad were divorced and my dad would pick us up for the weekend. And if my dad had a woman in the car and my dad was a very attractive man, he had women left and right. I mean, it, it, he always had someone he was going out with. And if he had a woman in the car or my mom just suspected, and mind you, they got a divorce when I was two. It's not like they were married for, for, you know, 20 years. And so 10 years later, he comes, drives up to drop us off, my sister and I off. And there's a woman in the car and all hell breaks loose, right? My mom is like, who is she? Who, what is, what is he doing? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm the one who gets the beat down for my dad's behavior. I'm the one that has to take it. And so I had to learn very quickly how to lie. I had to learn very quickly how to manipulate a situation so my ass doesn't get beat. And that was, for me, a survival strategy. And so if we're unaware of where that stems from, we just continue that behavior in our relationships because it works. <laughs> it fucking works to manipulate until it doesn't work anymore, right? And so, yeah, it's it's kind of a fucked up situation. <laughs> it is. Huh? It works until it doesn't. Then we just go find somebody else to manipulate or another area to manipulate. Or when we're not being manipulated the way we want, believe it or not, people, we like to be manipulated also. Sometimes we like to be, you, you know what I mean? You, we, we use that the, 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 the scenario gaslighting. Right? I never knew what the fuck that shit is. It seems like it's a new term and it's going around a lot, but I didn't know it was making somebody believe that they were in the wrong when they really didn't do nothing wrong. Right. Right. It's like, you, you, it's like one of those things, right? Where, where we, we, I have a lot of these, these conversations with people like back in the day, like my, uh, some of the girlfriends that I'd have would always like, would, would pin me for cheating, right? You're, you're cheating. You're doing this. You're doing, that. I probably was right. <laughs> but the reality of them pointing that out was because they were feeling guilty about them being the cheaters. 
Right. Right. So I never told, I never, this is one of the things I never, I, I, I never blamed anybody I was ever with that they were cheating on me. Why? Right? Well, because I didn't want to bring attention. So I was, I was, I was great with words, right? I knew if I brought it up, if I was the one saying, Hey, you're probably doing this, they'd find a way to turn it on me, but I already knew that game. Right. So it's really interesting to see like how, how this shit happens and how we continue to do it because it's, it's comfortable. And we did it for survival. I'm trying to think about why did I start to learn to lie or why did I start to do that kind of stuff? Like, where did I see this coming up first? Right. Because I know my mom always told the truth most of the time, right? Like my mom was one of those people that just told you to your face, right? She just told you to your face how she felt. But what I think she didn't do, and this might just be me making this up, mom. I don't know. Um, but she was, she, <laughs> she's going to listen to this shit, right? <laughs> but another toxic one that comes up also is not speaking your true feeling. Yeah. Right? What about the opposite? What about saying you really care about somebody, but you don't say that all you can do is tell them all the shit they're doing wrong instead of what they're doing right. But I think it's because we didn't have number one, a lot of us did not have good models on how to extend and express love in loving ways. Like, how you know, and I think back to my mom, and probably your mom falls in this category as well. But they didn't have loving parents who nurtured, cared for, rocked, held. You know, you fell down, you got a cut. No one went over them and say, "I, me, he thought, what's wrong with you?" They're like, "Get up, get up, let's go get you a a toilet. We'll wipe it off. Shake you're it fine. off. Shake it off. You're fine." <laughs> You know, it's like one of those things where they can't give what they didn't have. And so if they didn't have that, I mean, you really, like for me, I had to learn how to be a nurturing, loving, caring, responsive parent. That did not come natural to me. And it felt uncomfortable as shit because, again, did not come natural to me. I didn't have that. So I think our parents do the best they know how to do. And it's not that they didn't love us. It's that they didn't know how to express love in the way that as a human, like all humans deserve. And so they, in my case, they, my mom expressed love by buying us shit. You know, like you, you get a t-shirt. Hell, I, I fed you. What do you mean I don't love you? You have food. <laughs> <laughs> I fed you. You know, that was more of my, my dad, right? Buying us stuff. Um, money can't buy you love, right? That was my mom and my dad. My mom was, this This one was confusing, right? And my mom was super affectionate to us. Like, she cared ah. for us so much. Like, my mom was a type, like, if you looked at me wrong, my mom would be like, bitch, what are you looking at? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> she was super protective and she loved us and she nurtured us and she was always there to take care of us. But the other people in her life, right? Like, uh, we never got to witness her really showing them affection. Does that uh, yeah, make sense? Yeah. Like yeah, if her totally. boyfriends or right, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we, we got to see her like tearing them apart. Like, man, sometimes I'm like, dang, mom, what's wrong with you? Like, I want to kind of choke you out right now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I think about those behaviors and I see how, how, how we carry them on into our adulthood lives. Right. Because let me tell you, when I got a little bit older, I thought that's how women showed you they cared about you because <laughs> if they weren't bugging you about something. If they weren't harassing you about something, that they, they, that just means they didn't love you, right? They weren't caring because they didn't, they, you know what I mean? And yeah. I somehow attracted all those ones. Where are you at? Where are you going? Why didn't you answer the phone? You said you were, it's like, what? 
like and deep down inside that shit annoyed me but at the same time i thought well it's just because she loves me right it wasn't knowing that she just had toxic traits and she was projecting that shit onto me right so it's really it's crazy to see the different dynamics as we as we go through life and how we still see some of these traits show up in grown-ass motherfucking people well you see them a lot um you know when i think about you know you were just talking about seeing your mom um like you didn't see those caring experiences right the exchange of love or caring of others and I didn't really either. I saw, um, I saw a lot of manipulation. I saw a lot of um, withholding love. That was really what my family did well. So if somebody pissed you off, they withheld love. You, and, and that means that they didn't talk to each other. They didn't, it's like, you know, they washed their hands of one another. It was just a really, um, it, it was so divisive. It's like families were broken into like little chunks just based on drama. And so I saw a lot of that growing up. And so now fast forward, I, you know, find this boyfriend that I'm dating who comes from an intact family who um, also has some attachment stuff. Like his, his mom, again, comes from trauma. And so she didn't have a good example. And then as her relationship with her children, she provided, she's a really good provider. She's a really, she's a good caretaker, but she's not emotionally available, if that makes sense. So whatever you need, she's there. She, she will take like physically take care of you, but she, I've never seen her cry. I've never seen her show emotion. I've never seen her, um, even get upset about anything. She keeps an even keel through every single experience of life that I've seen her go through. And, you know, I've known her for 30 years now. And so having said that with my husband, he is, um, he's not as emotionally open. And, um, so it was comfortable for me because then I didn't have to express love. (laughs) You know, he's like, okay, you know, this is good. And as you fast forward years, like the vulnerability piece. And the opening your heart piece and the saying what you feel piece and all of those parts that like make a relationship last, like that had to come to surface at some point, you know, because we find each other for the reason. And I think this doctor, I think his name is Rosenberg. I will have to remember his name. Um, But he talks about, we find the, the match for us to heal. And so when we came together, it was easy because we avoided things like feelings and attachment and all of those things that are supposed to be in a relationship. And then finally they came to surface and I had to really take a look at, you know, what, what was really holding me back from expressing those things. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting that you bring that up. A lot of these things that we bring up is interesting. It's like perfect timing, right? When you were, were asking, what are we going to talk about today? I just had this, 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 I had this aha moment this weekend, right? And, and I think I've been kind of noticing because I don't, uh, well, let's talk about a big toxic behavior, which is drinking, right? Alcohol, right? Using alcohol in a way to help cover stuff up or whatever it is or to distract you or whatever the fuck you really want to say. Well, as I was, I went out this weekend and I had a few drinks, right? And I went a little overboard. Like one of my toxic behaviors is not knowing when to stop, right? 
Like I drink not because alcohol tastes good, but because I like the way it makes me feel. But once you get past that level, you kind of just like, oh, there's no there's no off button. But what I realized um, as I was feeling bad for myself, I was like sitting there drinking alcohol helps bring me to an emotional level. Right. It makes it make alcohol gives me the courage to dive deep into my emotional state. Right. Which is more of my vulnerability. Right. It brings up more of my loneliness. Right. It brings up more of my unworthiness and alcohol, for whatever reason, helps me explore that a little more. Right. For the reason why at times I could I could call a family member up and be like, hey, this is how I felt about this my whole life. And this and that. And I think to myself, like, why can't I do that shit when I'm sober? Like, it make more sense to do that when you're sober. But it's not until you're, you, you, you don't say um, alcohol is like a truth serum, right? In a sense, it kind of is because I think to myself, like, why is it make it okay? Why does it give me, right, the permission to go even deeper? Like, I say right now, like, right now, this person I am today, like, I like to believe that I go deep and that I've uncovered a lot of stuff. However, at times in the present, while I start drinking, I start thinking about those, those other parts that are even deeper that I'm not scared to really touch. Right. And I think about that and that's had me make a mind shift this week. Cause I sat down, I had to reflect on this and I looked at the list of people that I called or I messaged, right. And each and every single one of them are somebody that I truly love. Somebody that I really think of in high regards. However, we don't have these honest conversations at, well, more respectable times, I guess you could say, or when alcohol is not part of the equation or some other type of narcotic or whatever that we want to call it. What, what do you think that is? Well, I think, it, you know, it numbs you out a little bit. So anytime we take any kind of substance, whether you're smoking weed or, you know, drinking you know, drinking shots. It what it does is it it creates this. I'm trying to think of the word because there's an actual word for it, but it it really depresses your level of awareness, and so that level of awareness suppresses. I think is a better word suppresses that level of awareness, and you feel more relaxed. And so it also makes you a little more disconnected from. Um, you know, all of the things that you have put up that protect yourself, you know, the things that you, in terms of your vulnerabilities, like the belief systems around being vulnerable, the belief systems about being in touch with your emotional state, how you're supposed to be in the world, how you're supposed to show up, what people think about you. All of those things are part of the persona that we show up in with every day. And so when we suppress that, that level of awareness by, you know, drinking something, smoking something, it, it becomes easier for us, I think, to say the things that are sort of that undercurrent, right? And to let truth sort of seep out. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people do hallucinogens. I, I mean, they, you know, they, they like mushrooms and like they do stuff like that because it helps them get in touch with that part within them that they're unable to do so otherwise. The key for me is like, what's getting in the way? Like what's getting in the way of you connecting with that truth? Because, and it's your truth, whatever it is for you. What When we don't do that, that's what I talk about, that undercurrent. 
the undercurrent gets in the way. That's unresolved shit that becomes our shadows. And it shows up. And it shows up in the mis in the worst times too. <laughs> I mean, it really does. It's like, why is this showing up for me right now? Because it's an opportunity for us to go deeper. Yeah. And and I think about that, right? Because let's just say, right, now, now that now that we're in that in that state, right, and we're opening up. Right. And we're really talking about the stuff. And a lot of the times people are like, oh, you're just drunk or whatever. Well, now fast forward the next day or the next week and we just go. Like it never happened. Right. Like that conversation we never had. We know deep down inside that we might have said it because we could look at our text messages, but then we kind of just sweep it under the table. Right. We kind of just let it go like it's unheard of and we don't talk about it again until that scenario uprises again like when i when i think about that stuff like right now as a toxic behavior and i think about how wow we could have pulled through we could have pushed through we could have integrated through a lot more family trauma right if we would have had these conversations and somebody would have been brave enough to bring it up right. under regular circumstances versus just in an intoxicated state yeah and i think that's the hard part i think that's why a lot of families um, they don't do it because it doesn't feel good. And your, your brain doesn't like, I mean, your brain protects the patterns of behaviors that you have engaged in, whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. And so not feeling good, why would I want to experience that? <laughs> it also requires people to take responsibility for shit. And here's the other big one. We are not born with the innate ability to be self-reflective. And so being self-reflective is a, is a skill that you have to learn, that you're taught, and then that you learn to go, huh, I wonder what part of my behavior or what I did caused that. Did I play a part in that? Did I? A lot of people don't have the capacity to do that because they haven't been, they haven't trained themselves or been trained how to be self-reflective. So you address something with somebody and you go, Hey, can we have this conversation about, you know, something that happened? I, I walked away from it feeling a little unresolved. Can we, can we talk about it? And they're like, what are you talking about? That shit didn't happen. I, I, I didn't do that. And it's not that they're necessarily lying. It's that sometimes they are, but sometimes it's that they don't have the ability to see how their behavior impacts others. That's a skill that has to be taught. And I recognize that in some people in my family that they just don't have the awareness that they're even lying. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize that I was sitting right next to you when that happened and that's not how it happened, but it's like, it's their truth. That's how they interpreted it. There's so many, there's so many layers. <laughs> there, there, there is. It is. It, <laughs> that's so funny. You say like, you know, I was sitting right here, you know, I saw you on my own two nights. Right. Right. And then, and then because I had those ability way back then, right. To say, that's not what you thought you saw, right? And then turn around and make you feel like you're cuckoo, right? Yeah. When people say this, they don't tell you, you've got to be crazy. I didn't do that. What makes you think I would do that? Where can I find the time, right? And then not realizing like, wow, you really, sometimes you really don't know who you're with or who your friends are, right? Why? How could you if you don't even know who the fuck you are, right? right? So what's a, what's a toxic trait 
that you can think of that others wouldn't think it was a toxic trait. They wouldn't, they're not aware that it is something that's bringing toxicity into their life. Self-sabotage. Ooh. That's a big one. It's like, and self-sabotage in relationship with money around self-sabotage. And so, because a lot of us, we have this feeling that we're not deserving or that we have to work hard. It's like we have all these beliefs around money and success and working hard. And because we have this image of ourselves, unfortunately, as not one of those people, one of those top 1%, one of those people, we keep ourselves small. And we do that, like things are going great, things are doing, going wonderful, and we wait for the other shoe to drop. We almost make the other shoe drop. We start to focus on the things that aren't going right, or you know, things are going well, and now you, you shift your pattern of behavior. Because if you fuck it up before it fucks up, then you don't fall as hard. You know, it doesn't hurt as much because you've already prepared yourself for that. It's like we don't believe that we are deserving, which to me, I'm going to go into my spiritual woo-woo side right now. So <laughs> when we when we deny the truth of who we are, we deny God because we are all aspects of God. We are all God in action. So when we deny the truth and we deny the success and we deny the incredible experiences that we could have, we deny God because we're denying ourselves. And so when we can see ourselves as aspects of God and to honor the importance of that, we almost can start to see ourselves as moving beyond the limitations that we have put before us. And some of it is so subconscious. Like we have to just start to unearth that. Like, why did I just fuck that up for myself? Like I did that. But it's easier to say, you know, blame other people who are making your life difficult. What do you think of when you think of traits that are toxic that people oh. wouldn't consider toxic? Overpraising. Oh, oh, say um, more about that. Like, um, I mean, it, it, my, my mind could go so many different ways, right? Um, when you're being super duper sympathetic towards somebody's problems, right? You get engaged with them. Oh, it's okay. I know you feel like it. And you, and you, and you gas them up on that area, right? Like helping them put the blame outside of themselves. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and, that, that's, that. that's, and that's one realm. That's something we were taught when we talked about this later earlier in uh, earlier episodes where one of our cousins had come to us like, yeah, let's go fuck them up. Hey, get it. Who cares? We don't even look at the whole issue as one. Right. We just jump on that bandwagon of saying, yeah. hey. Right. So that's in one area that, that I really see that happening. Right. Or right. Sometimes we praise behavior that shouldn't be like like growing up for one. I had a lot of women in my life, right? Like your dad, good looking as fuck, right? And he just had a whole bunch of women. And it's how my dad was the same way. That's what happened. My dad would, you know what I mean? He just had a lot of women in his life. So that's something I learned, right? And people would praise me for that stuff, right? And, and there came a point in my life where I didn't 
like to talk about it anymore, but people would bring it to my attention and they would always point out like the certain things. I'm like, oh man, don't, don't be saying that, right? You're going to, that's like a bad, because I knew deep down inside that that wasn't something I wanted to be known for. But after doing something for so long, it kind of just follows you, right? And people say things like, oh, you're just like your dad. Like it's supposed to be a good thing. But it's like, no, no, that's not, right? Because for the longest time, I'd give myself praise for it. I'm like, yeah, I got all the, we, we, use, we use different terms that are, are bad to say to women. Right. right. <laughs> I'm right. not gonna say it live on TV, but every once in a while it slips out, right? A friend of mine reminded me the other day, I was talking about something, and I and I and I just she was like, Mark, can I just tell you something? I was like, Yeah, she was like, when, when we're like out there doing this in the real world and we're around people that might not know our total story, you might want to refrain from saying words like that. And I was like, Holy shit, you're fucking right. You know what I mean? Not in the sense of I should I should be who I am, but nowadays, especially where I'm going, there's certain words that you don't use in this way, right? Unless I'm like, don't get me wrong, there's gonna be things that I say to my brother or to me in between us that it just slips out, right? Because you just can't get rid of it. That's why you're listening to Brown and Spiritual as fuck, right? And we can say that shit, right? <laughs> but when you're using a word to like um, demoralize somebody or bring somebody down, it's really not what I'm on I'm about. But getting that praise, right? right? Praising something. In the community, right? You hear it in our music all the time. I love rap music. You love rap music, right? Yeah. And, and, and it was all about getting women, right? And it wasn't the word women they used. The word, I'm going to say it. They, they, they call them bitches, right? right? And that was normal or hoes, right? You can't make a hoe a housewife and stuff like that. And, and, and we would get praised for speaking of that nature, right? How many women do you got? How many hoes do you got? And it was like, oh, my, I got this many. How many you got? And to get praised in that sense. Right. That uh, to me, that was that was toxic because it added me and made me go out there and want to do even more. Right. Because I get praised for it. But it was the wrong type of praise, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's almost like um, where we put our values. Right. It's like that. Where what do you value in life and what are you seeking? And so whatever we're valuing becomes our motivated, our motivator, like the, the, the decisions that we make are based around what we value. And so I, I think that could really mess up. I don't mean like mess up, but I kind of like mess up your thinking, you know, like what becomes important to you. And then I think that leads into who am I supposed to be? Like the expectation of what other people have of you now. And how do you break away from that when you start to realize, like, I don't want to be about that anymore. Like, that's not who I am anymore. And, and then that's where that, it's, it takes courage to then break away from something that's just so deeply rooted in family or in friendships. Yeah, just talking about this right now, like people are going to sit back and look at this and be like, wait, what? And then there's going to be somebody also listening that was a victim of my state of mind at that time, right? Wow. One, of, one of the women that I happened to come across that had to put up with that, had to accept that, had to accept my toxic behavior for just wanting to be in, within my presence in a sense, right? And being part of the ridicule. You'll be like, you know, I'm over here getting praised and I could do the things that I do. But if one of my homies did and she was a woman, she wouldn't get praised that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then being OK with that. It's like, yeah, it's OK for me, but it's not OK for you. I think that was another part of a toxic trait that people don't realize is like that double standard. Right. Oh, it's yeah. OK because this is where you're at and this is what it was. This is what it is. But for you. No. How dare you? You don't you can't do that. 
Right. And I still kind of struggle with that here and today sometimes, right? Because one, my vulnerability and wanting to be in relationship. When we talk about relationships and how I don't really open up, I stay kind of closed minded because I'm scared. Like, like if you believe in karma in a way that, oh, what you, what goes around comes around. I'm like waiting for somebody just to like cash in all the shit that I did wrong. Right. Like, holy smokes, my fucking, they got a lot to cash in on me. So I'm like constantly like waiting for that shoe to drop. Right. Right. Which and, I just said was self-sabotage. <laughs> yeah. So instead of them doing it to me, I do it to myself first. Why? Because it's a lot easier for me to say, no, nah, I did that to me. You didn't do that to me. I yeah. did that to me. You didn't do this. I did it. Right. And um, we, we, we have shadow group that we just got in from. And I, and I, and I, and I talked about this, like, you know what, to just open up and be truthful about this stuff for one. Right. Cause it's not really easy guys. I'm telling you, I like here, here, here we go. Here, here's a great example, right. Of how I could open up about this stuff right here, live to people, right. Like right here. But if I had to call somebody that I did this to personally, Right. And have this conversation with them. It would take a lot more out of me in order to do that one on one versus telling the whole masses. Like I could tell on myself right now. But if I had to call somebody up, be like, hey, you remember way back then? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> no, I, I'd beat around the bush. Right. Right. I'd beat around the bush and try to get them to drag it out of me. Right. And so that's just <laughs> it's part of the process and part of the journey. So when I say like being praised. Like getting praised for that kind of stuff was, was really toxic because I also praised it in the younger generation I was growing up, right? I would tell the homies, hey, I can show you how to get you, you know what I mean? And then I went from the one being praised to praising the new ones coming up. Say, wait a minute, we have to change our behavior, right? We want our women to start acting differently. We have to treat them differently, right? We want to real wonder why the why, why we attract this type of women. Well, it's because we kind of bred them in that way. And they think that's what we like. And so we we created that for them. So in order to have different outlook, outcome on life, you might have to change your behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And make it possible to them. And 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 that whole treat you how treat people how you want to be treated, or you give them the same. You know what? When people start being shitty to me, I don't be shitty back. Mm-hmm. I just respond in a different way, right? And so it's just it's it's crazy thinking about and talking about these situations. It's it's kind of it's uncomfortable. You're making me uncomfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. I wonder about because you can't undo what's already been done, and you can't now. You can take responsibility for those behaviors, and you don't always. I mean, in best case scenario, you know, you call each one of them and say, hey, I'm sorry for whatever, right? But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen, right? I hope you're listening to this, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) The other part to this, though, and I think this is true with parenting. Like, I think people who parented in a way that they recognize years later wasn't the best way to parent. It's accepting responsibility for what you did, but also forgiving self. Because we can't undo what's already been done. And then I, here I go into that second level. That second level of awareness is there was a reason why you crossed paths with all of these people. There's a reason why you entered upon relationships with them. So when we look, when we're talking about this, we're talking about the physical form, right? The physical body. We're talking about the, the, the person who pays taxes and the person who's called Isela and the person who's called Mark. And so we have that level of engagement. But when we go deeper, there's a reason why 
we came into one another's lives. And I think that your part and their part are equally important. And for a lot of us women, um, and I think generationally it changes too. A lot of us women, I think what we needed to learn to do is to say, to, to know what we wanted, what we want, how we feel, and to have that expectation that we deserve exactly um, what we want. Like we deserve love. We deserve kindness. We deserve respect. We deserve those things. And it's okay for us to have the expectation to receive that. We weren't given that voice, a lot of us. We were like, this is what a relationship looks like, which was fucked up and toxic. And so we adapt ourselves in order to fit into that mold. And we silence our what we want. We silence um, what we believe we deserve. And so I think as generations have, I think it's different now. I think because you're a millennial and I, you're a millennial, right? How old are you? I've been on this planet for 39 years. Okay. So you're a millennial. You're on the back end of the millennials. The Gen Z's right now, the younger ones, it's a hookup. It's a hookup culture and it's both women and men. It's not just mostly men. Like back in the day, like your generation, my generation, it was like the men. And then the women were like, you know, you are a hoe, you a slut. I mean, you know, you, you slept a whole man? Oh my God, you know, <laughs> it's a different generation. And now, you know, with apps, you know, you swipe up, swipe left, swipe right. Shit, we, we get together, hook up and say peace out. You know, it was fun. It's just a different time now. And so I think in part, that's the evolution of, I know what I want, I know what I'm worth, and I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. And I think, so back to what you were saying, um, I think this part of, I, I think you're coming to terms, right? Coming to terms with your past behavior. And then what? So now what? What do you do with it? If you're not going to go to each person's house and knock on their door? <laughs> I'm going to send out a, a, a mass email, right? How can I go? I'm going to send out a mass email. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like now what? So how are you going to release that within you? Um, even your past, like the past experiences with family that you've held on to that, you know, you go out and get drunk and be like, I'm all about talking about it. <laughs> like all of that. How, what now? So how do you release it? Let it go and forgive yourself. You know, that's a really, that's a really great question, right? Because this is not, it's not what they did to us. It's wow. What I did in the process, my part in it, right? You're right. How do I forgive myself for all the the dumb shit that felt good at the moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You thought, you know what I mean? And, and it's, and it's, and it's a whole shift of perception, right? Cause I think about like the last few girls that I've dated, right? Women, let's call them women, right? Because who knows? <laughs> let's hope they're women, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Cause then that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole other podcast. No, nah, but like, and when I think about this and I, and I reverse engineered the whole situation because they did hurt the last couple of girls that I dated and, and they, and they left me at the altar or you want to say, right. Or whatever, whatever we didn't reciprocate back and forth. Right. I no longer looked at it as this is what they did to me. Mm. Right. I had to look at the part of like, Oh, because that's the toxic way. Right. That's the toxic thing. This, they did this, they did that, rile everybody up, get everybody to feel sorry for me. Oh, how could they do that? How dare you? You're such a good guy. Well, they only see 
right? People only see parts of you that they get to see parts of you, right? They don't know what happens when the doors are closed, right? They don't know what happens when you guys are in certain situations, when you're not being lovey-dovey enough, you're not speaking the right love language, right? We talked about that kind of stuff. It's when I reverse engineer my life and I'm fortunate enough that some of these women I get to have more conversations with now after the fact, after we grew up a little bit, after we had to go through other traumatic experiences and they come together and be like, hey, you know what? Those were different times. We are different people today, right? And then be able to have those conversations. I think when you ask me, what can I do now? I think it's those conversations with those women now or with those family members that were able to um, not necessarily pick up where we left off, but to revisit and say, hey, this is how I felt. That was then. I realized what I what part I did. I forgive myself, right? And, and and let's move forward from here, right? It's really I've been fortunate that a couple of the different people in my life they've been family members and other women that have showed up back into my life, and we didn't have the greatest ending. However, we are able to um, be grown up about it in a sense, right? Be mature, mm-hmm. right? And look at it from a different awareness. So I think slowly but surely. It is um, catching on for me, but when I go into those, like I said, like this weekend when I had a little much to drink, right? And I got to go a little bit deeper and then you realize like, oh shit, okay, I didn't get all that. There's still something there. How can I revisit this without, without that toxic juice in my body, right? So how do I forgive myself totally? I'm not sure, but I think I'm on the right track. Yeah, I think um, there's so many situations that people are in who may be listening um, to this podcast or watching it on YouTube that don't have the opportunity to reconnect with someone um, that they had an experience with throughout their lifetime. And it could be that, you know, the relationship is severed and years have gone by. It could be that someone passed away. Um, although I will tell you that that person is very much, thing, very much available to you and doesn't really care about the things you're still holding on to, not from a place of not loving you, but it's not a big deal anymore. Like they have a, they have a greater awareness of our existence and why we come into this physical form when they are on the other side. So we hold on to old shit and it's bothering us and not bothering them. Um, and, and sometimes like in my case with my mom, we, you know, I haven't seen her in like, you know, nearly 30 years. And so there isn't the opportunity for us to have a conversation. And I honestly, I don't know that I want a conversation. I don't need that in order to find closure. But what I did, what I did need was to accept responsibility for my parts in the relationship and that even though I cannot change what's already been done, how will I be different next time? How will I be different next time? And so that's that's where I spend most of my because the truth of it is the only the only thing that is true is the present moment. So all of the old stuff that's happened in the past has already been done, and that that thoughts about that come from guilt. And the things that we are worried about in the future come from fear because we're afraid of what's going to happen in the future or we want to make sure it's going to be okay or we want to make sure it's like we're projecting out those unnecessary fears. And so what we have is the current moment. And so in this moment, how will I choose differently? 
in this moment, how like being aware of my emotional state, if I'm triggered by something or something occurs that reminds me of a situation that was left unresolved for me, I get to bring my, myself back into the present moment. I get to notice my emotional state and I get to make the decision to choose something different. And that's where our focused attention needs. To, I think our focused attention needs to be is what will I do next time? What will I do next time? Right. Yeah. Well, what will I do next time? And talking about it right, like right now, for instance, right? Like it, it seems like it would be easy and simple because of the awareness that we do have right now, having conversations. <laughs> However, if they would happen to have been sitting in front of me while we are having a few alcoholic beverages, right? <laughs> and then we decided to go like a little bit deeper, and then we're like almost right back into that same mixture of old cycles right it's like you're 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 able to be pulled into that like in an instant like i could say that right now like there's some people that i would really love to have this conversation with them like hey but there's probably one or two i'm like oh man like it, it'd be a little harder to like keep composed right what would happen to you do you think what would what would happen within you what would you feel uh, you know, that, that, that fiery feeling, you know, when you get like, when somebody like, you, like fighting zone, right? Like in that mode where you're just like, you want to go on attack and it's like, ah, like people could do that to me still to this day. Like I'm easily manipulated by certain people sometimes, right? Like I won't act on it now as much as that, but I know inside of like, oh, this bitch right here, <laughs> like this motherfucker, like whether it's a guy or a girl, who cares? Who knows? There's a couple of people in my life that, that are able to do that to me. So what is it that this is, this is it, Mark, what is it that <laughs> triggers you into that experience? Like, that's the noticing part, like she just said, or is it the old story about the person that, that can trigger you? Is it the old story? Is it the old relationship attached to the story? Or is it a behavior? Because for me, no. a behavior, a behavior is I, I don't like anyone to try to control me. Like, that's a big, that's why I don't work for nobody. And so anytime I get the perception that someone's trying to control me and don't see me as an equal, I feel within me starting to get defensive. And I know that comes from my childhood. Like I, that's, that's a reminder of that old shit. So I have to bring myself back to that awareness and work myself to, to calm my, my physical form because I'm about to, you know, say, fuck you. And um, so for you, what is it? Is it the story? Is it the story attached to the person? Or is it a behavior that triggers you? I think it'd be the toxic trait of holding on to something, right? That might not even be there that I'm creating in my mind. Now that you're talking about that, right? That's another toxic trait, right? Is holding on to something from way back in fucking 2019, right? Or 20, let's go even further, 1995, right? Something that happened <laughs> when I was like in sixth grade, right? Like what the hell, you know what I mean? And yeah. really holding on to that and not letting it go and not really integrating it as much as I thought I did, right? And it shows up in reality. I think it's just me battling me. And so all the times has nothing to do with that person, but I'm being manipulated. And I think it's that behavior of me doing that to myself and that gets me fired up. Because they could be totally cool, calm, and collective. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe, I, I really don't know. Um, but I just know that maybe there is, you're right, there are certain things that I might want to go deeper with within myself. Without, right, without shots to clock, right, without whatever other, but really go and sit deep 
and get in there and ask myself even more. That's a great question. Ask myself, what is it? Is it the behavior? Is it the the the, the lack of or the over responsiveness? Or is am I just holding on to something, people? Because that's another toxic trait. I don't think we realize that's a toxic trait. It's holding on to shit that 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 that's been long overdue to be let go. Right. So I'm gonna have to sit on that one because it, so I tell people if you're not willing to let go, just let it be. Like start in that place because what ha- that's what I mean by withholding love. We have a story that we've attached ourselves to. So. Um, what when somebody tries to control me or that perception it's a perception it's a perception and it may not be intended that way by the other person but my perception is that you're trying to you're trying to fucking tell me what to do and that's not okay like i i am a grown ass woman and i do not need your permission like that that's how i come across and um <laughs> And, and and I tell my husband that's why Mexican men didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was too headstrong. I was too like you will not control me. You will not tell me what to do. I know exactly who I am. And so the moment I start to sense that from someone else, and let me tell you, with women I am assertive, and with men I am aggressive. So with women, I know. I know women and, and my, my bias is I know how manipulative the situation can become. And so I know how to be assertive and say what needs to be said in a very clear, concise way without um, demeaning or demoralizing. But if a man tries to put me in my place, I am going to be demoralizing and I am going to be like in your face because that's that's an old tape. That's an old history. So when it happens, it's not the person in front of me that's that's doing it to me. It's the reminder of the shit I haven't healed. And so I have to go back to that story that I'm holding on to because that story is making, it's still creating a situation where I'm withholding love where I'm not allowing myself to be close to people, where I am like, I'm still attached to an old tape, an old story. And so that's, that's the healing piece. It's like, it shows up because you're willing to go deeper. And you thought you, it's this, this is inevitable. You thought you healed it and some shit shows up again. <laughs> you're like, yeah. And some shit shows up. And as you were speaking and you're talking about that, right? How you said with women, you're assertive and with males you're aggressive i think a lot of the times where these mostly come up is in work environments right when people say look what i did for you or look what i provide you with then i'm like wait a minute do you know who you're talking to Mm -hmm. you know what i bring to the table right almost as if without them you would be nothing in a sense right and that's where a lot of my like that's where that, ooh, like that part of me is like, oh, these are fighting words. Don't let, don't let me revert back to who I used to be right now because we could go, we we could get down to the nitty gritty, right? So I think it's in that uh, moment is, I think it helps remind me, like they're reminding me of my unworthiness at times because I do have that inside, right? The not enoughness, right? So I think it's like those moments because I do have those doubts some deep down, like this weekend when I was a little bit drunk as fuck 
right? And I started feeling lonely and I wanted to call the people that um, that helped me not feel so lonely, but we were so detached from each other. Like in those moments when somebody says some shit like that to me, it brings me back to that scared little boy that I was, right? It brings me back, right, to that scared part of my personality, right? And it triggers. And then when that happens, it's like, it's, it's go time, right? And I think I've been that. I think so when you asked earlier what it is, I think it's that. It's when yeah. somebody reminds that little scared part of myself, right? That, that, that un, the, the unworthiness part of me that I, I struggle with sometimes. It's when they tug on those fucking strings. I think yeah. that's, that's where it is right there. Yep. And now as a grown up, we have all of these uh, skills to be able to protect ourselves. But these grown up skills that protect us also keep us from being vulnerable, being connected, being emotionally available, you know, all the things that we have to kind of learn how to let go. And it's not just to let go to be in relationships with others. It's to let go to be in relationship with self. <sighs> it all comes back to the self, people. If you guys learn one thing yourself right and you don't have to do it by yourself in order to get to yourself that's another thing that's really dope too i think that's another um toxic um trait that we have is that we think we have to do it all by ourselves yeah right we don't ask for help and this has been really fun i mean really exciting guys um you can find me at mark underscore my underscore magnificence on instagram that's where i'm the most active and i respond there super duper quick and fast missy Sella. I am at isellagarcia.com. That's my website. And then I do, I have a couple different Facebook pages. I'm um, affiliated with the Arizona Enlightenment Center. We have a Facebook page there. I also have a Facebook page called Embracing Soul's Journey, where my cousin and I do live mini readings uh, every Wednesday at 530 Pacific time. And then I have my own page, which is Love Being, um, Isela Garcia. And there I just post. I'm going to start going live more often um, on my personal page and just start chatting about topics in general. And so be sure to follow me there. But thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to Brown and Spiritual as fuck. Right? I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did, hit a comment, hit the link, hit replay if you're watching a replay or whatever. You can find me at Mark underscore my underscore magnificent. You can find Missy Sella at, go ahead again. SellaGarcia.com. Boom, shakalaka. So thank you for rocking with us. And we hope to see you on the next episode on our new time on Sundays. The 22nd is the first one. Yep. Sunday the 22nd at 11 a.m. Arizona time. What that, um, what that means in your state, I have no idea. You might have to look it up to do the um, conversion. Anyhow, love you guys. Peace out, trucks. you really are